0: Is anybody excited to hop into what is really the ending, the second week of our two-week series called Out of the Silence? And that's not anybody excited for that this morning? All right, listen, to not belabor the point, everybody hop to your feet with me real quick. We're gonna hop all the way into it. We are in Luke chapter one. Luke chapter one, if you're joining us online, Luke chapter one, open up another tab, pull up Bible Gateway, whatever you prefer to use. In person, open your Bibles, your tablets, Your Google augmented glasses, wherever we are in the technological phase of our lives. Luke chapter 1, we'll be looking at verses 5 to 15, and we will read it. I will read it in your hearing, and it says this. In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest of Abijah's division named Zechariah. His wife was from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both were righteous in God's sight living without blame according to all the commands and requirements of the Lord. But they had no children because Elizabeth could not conceive. And both of them were well along in years. When his division was on duty and he was serving as the priest before God, it happened that he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. At the hour of incense, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside. An angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was terrified and overcome with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you will name him John. There will be joy and delight for you, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will never drink wine or beer. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. You guys can have your seats. So as we talk about this Out of the Silence series, I'd like to remind us a little bit of what Pastor John talked about last week. Does anybody remember Pastor John's big idea from last week? I'm not going to ask you for it because I don't want to hurt his feelings, but I will say it. And it says this, (laughs) even when things feel silent, the king is on the move, right? And I don't know about anybody else, but that almost got me through the week. Even when things feel silent, the king is on the move. And as we talk about out of the silence, we remember a friend of ours by the name of Simeon. Right, And we went through it, and we talked, and we talked about how Simeon was expectant and abiding, and Simeon had a promise from God that he held on to, and we clinged to our friend Simeon. However, Simeon, as we read in the text, wasn't the only person around this story who had some expectations. He wasn't the only person around this story who had hopes and dreams, and today we're going to talk about some of our friends, namely two of them, Elizabeth and Zechariah. But before we go any further, let's pray. Jesus, this is your service. This is your Bible. This is your word. You have already established everything that you desire to happen, but in this place, establish faith in us. Help the words of our mouths and the meditation of our heart to be acceptable in your sight. And Father, I request of you as your servant that you speak. God, speak to our hearts, speak to our minds. Remind us of your goodness. Remind us that you have never lost a battle remind us that you are good and your mercies endure forever in the name of Jesus I pray amen, amen. thank you guys so we just read and we're talking about our friends Elizabeth and Zechariah and it's great and it's wonderful but can we lean in with me for a second as we talk about this story to echo John's sentiment from last week my first stopping point and the first thing I want us to notice is simple Elizabeth and Zechariah were expectant and abiding. They were doing just what our friend Simeon was doing. They were expectant and abiding. They were believing God for great and beautiful and wonderful things. And they were abiding. We read, and when when Zechariah hears from the angel that his wife is going to have a son, he is at work. He is at work serving as a priest of God, burning incense, doing his part. They were expectant and abiding, but honestly, it cannot be real with us for just a second before we talk about, like like our theme and my thought today is exceeding expectations, but before we talk about that, I want to be real with us about expectations for a minute. Expectations can do something to us when we hold on to them for a little too long. Expectations can hurt a lot. Holding out faith and hope isn't the most comfortable thing. And so a little bit down from what we read, I want us to read Zechariah's response to what the angel says to him. And I want us to recognize that this is a very real, very human, and very honest response. And honestly, it's one of the things I love most about the scriptures. They don't hide humanity from us when they present to us the story of our God So a little bit later in Luke 1 and verses 18 and 20, this is Zechariah's response to the angel. Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now and my wife is also well along in years. Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. And he continues and he says, but now since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. I don't know much about Gabriel, but Gabriel's a gangster. Number one, point blank, period. He was like, you don't believe me? You don't get to talk no more. Right? And like that, that's what happened in that exchange. And it's wonderful. And I often feel like when we read stories like these, it's easy for us to be like, oh, if that was me, If I was here, I would have believed the angel. I wouldn't have said anything back. I I would have have walked out of there so excited and I would have had it understood. I will say this the most polite way possible, myself included. If this was us, you would have ended up mute too. Every single laughed one of us in this situation would have ended up with the exact same results. Why Zechariah said it? He said, I'm well along in years. He said, listen, I don't even know what you're talking about. Like, Mr. Angel, I ain't never met you before, but I have met biology. And biology tells me that after a certain time, the things you're talking about aren't supposed to be happening. And so he is having this conversation. And it is interesting and it is beautiful. But it takes us to really where I want to sit for a little bit when we talk about expectations. Can we be real in church today? Expectations aren't always fun things to hold on to so we can be expectant and abiding, but it's not always fun. It's not always like this is the greatest thing in the world and I'm, I'm so excited and this is gonna go so well. Like think about the story we read. They are well along in years. We know in this culture, people got married fairly young. So we're talking a couple decades of prayer. A couple decades of figuring this out. A couple decades of hearing, when are you guys gonna try for a kid? A couple decades of preparing a nursery. A couple decades of people throwing out baby names. A couple decades for Elizabeth to see her friends and family members and their families grow and expand. And a couple decades of pain. This is the reality, unfortunately, of expectations. We talked about Simeon. Simeon was old by the time Jesus showed up. Who knows when God gave Simeon a promise that he would see the Messiah, but he held on to it. But can you imagine being Simeon after years go by? Can you imagine being Simeon after baby dedication, upon baby dedication? Like, no, not this one, not that one, not that one. And he continues and he goes. And you see, these things can be utterly painful. But I don't want us to miss it because I don't want us to miss the reality that God understands that. That he isn't a stranger to that. You see, I wonder for our friend Zechariah, how many times he saw God come through for other people as a priest. I wonder how many miracles he prayed and saw happen. I wonder how many people who couldn't have kids that he prayed and they could have kids and meanwhile he goes home every night and prays the exact same prayer for himself. And it doesn't happen. When I read, when we read the Bible, I want us to put ourselves in some people's shoes for a minute. How is that manageable when you serve God and have expectations that aren't met? How do we deal with the pain? How do we deal with the heartache? And we deal with it by remembering one important thing. We remember the person that we're praying to. And so a lot of us, I know a lot of us, we don't put a lot of faith in other people, and that makes sense. But John reminded us last week that even when things feel silent, God is on the move. Even when things feel silent, the king is on the move. And honestly, like I said, that got me through Monday. And Monday, I was like, ooh, even when things feel silent, the king is on the move. And Tuesday, we're on staffing, and i like, ooh, even when things feel silent, the king is on the move. And by Wednesday, I woke up, and I was like, even when things feel silent, I would really like a tracking number. I just would like to know. Maybe Amazon has spoiled me in the fact that I can place an order right now and it'll be at the door of my home by the time I get back. Maybe that has broken something in me, but even when the things feel silent, where is it? Like, what is going on? And it's because he is on the move, but he moved too slow. Like, I love you, Jesus, but man, you walk at a very slow pace, obviously. If you've never walked beside me, my wife can tell you, I walk really fast. I am trying to get somewhere because I have something to do. Right, John? Like, that makes sense. Jesus is like, that's fine. I have never rushed. I will never rush. Your timeline won't rush me. And so for those of us who made it to Wednesday, and we were like, even when things feel silent, the king is on the move. Can I invite us to practice a little bit of mindfulness. As you say that, I invite you to take up a motif that I have taken up over the course of this week. And the motif is simply this. Even when things feel silent, I can trust the king. In the midst of your, our pain, in the midst of our worry, in the midst of our wondering, I wonder if you would pick this up and say, almost like a mantra in a very quiet way, Even when things feel silent, I can trust the king. Better yet, let's practice it. Let's practice it. Everybody ready? I'll start. We're going to say this. There's no music so you can't hide your voice. So speak up for me, please, because I'm really far from some of y'all in the back. But we're going to say it. Really? One, two, three. Even when things feel silent, I can trust the king. One more time. Even when things feel silent. I can trust the king. You see, there is something powerful in that statement. It's the statement of Jesus, I don't know what you're doing, but I know you. I don't know what you're saying, but I know you. And it's silent, and I can't hear you, and I can't feel you, but I refuse to not trust you. And I think when we look at our faith heroes in this text and the persons of Elizabeth and Zechariah, their continued devotion in the same direction shows us one thing. They trusted their God. Because I don't know about anybody else, but if I was Zechariah, after about 20 years of serving God, and he'll you know, listen to me, you obviously this don't work. I'm going to go find another job somewhere. I'm going to go sell sheep. I'm going to go become a goat herder. I'm going to figure something else out. Because obviously he likes everybody else more than me so they can work for him and I'm going to go do something else. Can we be real for a second and recognize that Zechariah kept going? He kept serving God in the midst of his pain and I don't know how he did it. But if I was to make an educated guess, it's because he trusted the God that he served. It's because instead of getting bitter when everybody else got blessed, it reminded him that God was still working. And instead of comparing himself to the situations, he was in that moment and he goes, All right, God, you're still working. God, you're blessing somebody I'm praying for. That means that you're still doing it. God, you are still showing up on service. That means that you're still moving. And instead of bitterness, he used everybody else's blessing to spurn his belief. I wonder what would happen. If we were in times of pain looking at everybody else and instead of saying, oh no, we say this is a testimony that God is still moving and in my life, because I see John getting blessed, I know I'm next. Because I see RJ getting blessed, I know I'm next. Because I see it working out for the family over there, I know that God is still alive and I can keep trusting him. Because like I said earlier, our friends Elizabeth and Zechariah were expectant and abiding they did not let the pain that they went through cause them to stop believing that God was still good and I don't know about anybody else but I'm yearning for that kind of faith I'm yearning for that kind of trust in God because you see today we're talking about exceeding expectations and I don't want to be like a Debbie Downer or whatever them people call it but I do wanna be real and be honest about the way life works. And unfortunately, this is the way that it works. But you see, I titled this sermon and in this talk, Exceeding Expectations for a Reason. Because it can't always be night. Because you can't stay in a valley forever. Because trouble don't last always. And so because of that, we see that they waited and waited, but the son that came to Elizabeth and Zechariah exceeded their expectations. What oh, I mean, do you remember our mute friend Zechariah who hadn't talked until the baby was born? Well, the baby becomes born and he starts to talk the second that happens and he's talking to people about why they named the child John. And all of a sudden, our mute friend Zechariah becomes a prophet once again, and he utters these words. Zechariah says this when everybody's talking to him. And Zechariah says, and you, child. He's talking to his baby boy, who I'm sure he's waited for, for a very, very, very long time. In Luke 1, it says, and you, child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give his people knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of our God's merciful compassion, the dawn from on high will visit us to shine on those who live in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Zechariah knew something that at the second of that baby's birth, I think made the waiting worth it. Because he didn't just give birth to a normal baby. He gave birth to a baby that would be filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb. He gave birth to a baby who we don't even call him John. We call him John the Baptist. He has a nickname that has echoed through time and space. Because his parents continued to hold fast on the promise of God even when biology said it should not happen. See, John exceeded their expectations. John started a modern-day megachurch. People were coming to John from all over the region to be baptized, and he was preaching to prepare the way of the Messiah. Listen, their culture had been waiting for the Messiah for decades, for centuries. But the baby boy born to parents who kept holding on was the one who would prepare his way. And you see, what I love about this story If not even John, John has a little cousin. And John has a little cousin who's about six months younger. And if we think our friend John came to exceed some expectations, let me tell you about his cousin. See, we call his cousin Jesus, and that should be enough, and we should be able to go right now. Because something happens when we wait. You see, when we wait, we do get what we asked for, like Zechariah and Elizabeth. They got their son. But with every blessing comes Jesus. And with John, six months later came Jesus. And John exceeded expectations. John preached so fiery and so amazingly that it put the fear of God in government leaders. John preached with such execution that entire cities came to repentance. John exceeded every expectation to a father who was too old to probably go out there and run around with him and a mother who probably needed a little bit of help to get through the house every day, but even in their weakness, they helped rear a child who prepare the way for the Messiah that we call Jesus. But if John exceeded expectations, Jesus came to exceed expectations. If John really blew us out the water, listen, you're going to be able to handle Jesus. Listen, because when Jesus shows up, He shows up to a young, barely wed mother. He shows up in a culture that is poised for outrage. He doesn't show up born in a palace in the middle of Europe with blonde hair and blue eyes. No, no, no. That'd be great. Instead, Jesus shows up, a melanated Middle Eastern Jew born to parents in poverty. Jesus showed up with the cards already stacked against him. And if you're like, poverty? What do you mean poverty? I thought they had a little... Well, well, we'll read it. Last week, John made mention of a verse that we're going to read again in Luke chapter 2. When Jesus' parents go to offer sacrifices, it says, So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord. Either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. See, Leviticus 12 tells this little beautiful requirement for what's supposed to happen when a mother gives birth to children. After a little while, she's supposed to come and she's supposed to offer a lamb as a sacrifice. But because our God has always been in touch with the needs of the lost and the least, he also says, but if you don't have enough for a lamb, you can offer two turtle doves, two doves, two pigeons. And so Jesus' family obviously couldn't afford a lamb, so they brought two birds. Jesus was born to people who didn't have it all. And if being born in poverty wasn't enough, He was born in what might have been the worst political climate imaginable. How bad is that political climate? Well, we're going to read about it. We're going to read, and it says this. After they were gone, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Get up, take the child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to kill him. So he got up to take the child and his mother during the night, and escaped to Egypt. So he is born in poverty in a city where nobody good really comes from. And now the government of this day is like, I'm gonna kill him. I don't even know who this little baby is, but I don't like him enough to desire to kill him. And so he runs to Egypt with him and his family as political refugees running from an oppressive government. This is the reality of Jesus because you see even through all of that he was still jesus meaning he was fully god and fully man and so he went growing up in a family with poverty being fully god and fully man he went walking through life suffering as we suffered and being tempted as we are tempted being fully god and fully man and if that wasn't enough He exceeded expectations because I don't know what they expected when Mary got pregnant, but I don't know if they expected God. I don't know who they thought was going to show up to be the Messiah of their nation, but I don't know if they expected God himself to show up to solve every single problem. You see, he didn't just exceed expectations, but he came and they were like, we want life, we want to live, we want freedom. Jesus goes, I got you freedom now and later. Jesus said, listen, you want freedom from oppression from governments that don't like you. Good. I got you freedom here in the land of living. But I have come that you might have a life and have it more abundantly. See, Jesus came to exceed expectations. And that's all fine and dandy. But I'd like to personalize this just for a second and remind us that in your life, Jesus will exceed your expectations in your personal life not in the cosmic life of the world where Jesus comes and he forgives sins no no no. in your personal life Jesus has come to exceed every expectation that you might have had how so Well, he said it himself so Jesus says this in John 10 verse 10 Jesus says, the thief thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Jesus just didn't come to give us a stamp on our celestial midnight train to heaven. Instead, the gospel comes so that in your life today, you can have life and have life abundant. And I don't just mean cars because they rust and they fade away. I don't just mean money in a bank because that soon will disappear. But he has come to give you holistic peace that the world doesn't give and the world can't take away. He has come to give you joy in the midst of sorrow. Jesus came to exceed your expectations. But with that in mind, in the midst of our pain and in the midst of our struggle, and in the midst of what for some of us can feel like really long nights, I invite you to embrace that reality. I invite you to realize that he can and he will and he does exceed expectations. When you're looking for a new job and you're about 20, 20 interviews in, about 14 dozen applications have been sent out and you might have gotten a couple offer letters that unfortunately God didn't give you peace about when you're in the middle of that situation believe that he can still exceed expectations believe that he can still do what nobody else can do believe that there is still no stopping him that there is still nothing that can get in his way what do I mean by that I mean Zechariah was mute because he believed that biology could stop Jesus and honestly I believe faith and science do work in tandem. So I would say, if someone was to come up to me, that you might have been a little old too. If somebody would say, Malik, I've been praying for this, I'd be like, okay, we're going to pray. But biology is telling me something. But biology couldn't stop God. Biology and how long they had waited and the fear and the trembling in their expectations couldn't stop him. In your life, an HR department can't stop him. A hiring manager can't stop him. A doctor can't stop him. A lawyer can't. I don't know what it is, but I wish somebody would hear me today. I dare you to think something can stop God. There is nothing that can stop him. Why? Because he reigns. Above the heavens and the earth, he reigns. And like John said, even when things feel silent, the king is on the move, the operative word there being king. Because there is no searching of his understanding. Because the God who is coming to exceed your expectations is also the God who created every single thing in the world. He spoke and the world popped into being. He spoke and the universe showed up and he spoke and everything that we love exists and he created us with the very hands that he has. So what do you think is too hard for God? I remember the Bible asks the question, the Bible goes, is anything too hard for God? Is there something that you believe he cannot do? If there an obstacle that we believe that is too high for him, I invite you to trust him. I invite you in the midst of your tears, in the midst of your weary nights to believe him. And I don't just say this as somebody who stands on the stage because I got the mic today but already has it figured out. No, 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 no. I stand here as somebody last night as I was thinking about this sermon and I had myself expectations that God hasn't met yet. And I have dreams and goals that he hasn't come to fruition yet. And these are things that I know he told me he'd do. And I'm laying in bed last night and tears are rolling down my face because it hit me because I had to remember myself that I'm just not preaching to y'all but I'm preaching to myself. And so I don't know what you're going through but I have not been there, I am there. And I am at a place where I'm asking for God to do something and I don't know if he will but I believe he will. I'm wrestling through the tension of God, what are you gonna do about this? But I know he can and so as I was laying there last night with tears rolling down my face, Honestly, I don't know, maybe it's a culture of my people, but all I could say is, even when I can't see it, you're working. And even when I can't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never... And I was laying in bed, and all I could say was, God, even when I don't feel it, you're working. And even when I don't see it, I can trust you. Because I need to believe that God exceeds expectations. Because honestly, life is too hard when you don't have faith in what God can do. When you live a life with God in a box, you don't allow him to show you who he is. But I challenge you to let God run free in your life. I challenge you to let him move in every area of your life. And I know that he can do it. And I know that he will do it. Because honestly, can we be real for a second? He's been doing it our whole lives. You see, we have a memory problem as human beings. We forget in the midst of our current circumstance that he's already done it before. And so part of my applications for you this week, instead of leaving them very abstract, I have two very concrete applications for all of us to do. First, I want us to all abide in hope. You see, we read that Elizabeth and Zechariah were expectant and abiding, but they abided in hope. They did not let their present circumstance Dictate what they knew about God. And they were able to abide in hope because part two, they were willing to abide in truth. You see, we have to be willing to remind ourselves of the goodness of God. We have to be willing to remind ourselves who our God is because, like I said, we have a memory problem. When He does it for weeks ago, we forget that He did it. And so, in the middle of our present situation, We get bogged down with anxiety and worry and fear and dread because we forget. And so to make this a little bit more concrete, if you're a journaler, take out your journal. If you use the notes on your phone, please take out your phone, open your notes app, whatever you need. And I want you to open a note, and I would like for you to entitle it the goodness of God or whatever else you got. Whatever comes to your mind. My note is entitled God, show enough, been good. right? So whatever your note title is, and I invite you. Honestly, when I was writing this, I said over the next week, but really, if you can, for the rest of your life, keep a note going of the goodness of God. Some of these are very trite and very simple, but we can thank Jesus for the life that we have today. We can thank him for family. We can thank him for friends. We can thank him for the fact that he has saved us. And you see, we can get a little bit more real than that. If this was my note, my note would say, thank you, Jesus, for when in the last semester of Bible college, I didn't know how the ends were going to meet, financial aid had run dry, but somehow you supplied enough scholarships that I didn't apply for to meet the need that I had. See, I remember a story from one of my faith heroes, my aunt and her son, my cousin tells this story and he goes, you know, Malik, one day, we didn't have enough money. My mom was a single mother. There were a, good, there were a good amount of us. And we didn't have enough food to eat in the house. And he goes, he's laying in bed one day. He's like, I'm going to go to bed. I'm going to drink some water and I'll be fine. He was the oldest. And his mom walks in the room and she goes, make the table. And he goes, ain't no food here. So I'm going to make this table. We're going to put these dishes out and we're going to put them back up. And his mom said, I was praying and I just feel like we're going to be okay. And he makes the table and they're sitting there. And his mom is like, we're going to pray over the food. And my cousin said, Malik, there was no food on the table. And his mom was like, we're going to pray over the food. And they prayed. And a little while later, they hear a knock on the door. And somebody from their church said, hey, guys, you know, I was cooking. And I just felt like I should bring you guys something to eat. You see, listen, put some stuff like that on your list. Where you were in a situation and couldn't nobody do it but God, but God did. Roll back the curtain of your memory in the midst of your pain and expectation to remind yourself that God has already done it. And the quote, Taichabek, tai would say, if he did it before, he can do it again. He said, there is nothing that can stop God when it comes to loving you. You don't go through the situations you go through alone. But I'm reminded of David when David said, even if I go through the darkest valley, I know that you are with me. You are not alone. No one has left you. God is standing right beside you. So if you feel lonely, if you feel like God isn't listening to you anymore, if you feel like he's given up on the thing he said he would do for you, he has not. And as we close, the second thing I would like for us to do as we remind ourselves, of God's goodness and who he is I would like for you to remind yourself of what he has said you see Jesus has said some incredible things through the scripture that if we were to cling to we would realize that he has been there the whole time not only has he been there but he is worthy of our trust Matthew puts it like this in Matthew 19 26 it says Jesus looked at them intently and said humanly speaking it is impossible but with God everything is possible you see there is nothing that is impossible with the God that you serve and he doesn't come there we read John 10, 10 earlier the second part of that verse says it I came that they might have a life and have it to the full have it abundantly remind yourself that he said it meditate on the truth Of not only what he has done, but what he has said. The Bible is full to the brim of promises. If I were to list them all, we would be here all night. But instead, I challenge you to cling to something. Cling to the fact that he can and that he will cling to the fact that he can overcome everything. And lastly, honestly, the the battle of expectation and faith and joy becomes a battle for us. It can be a battleground of our faith. So I invite you to do what the Bible calls taking every thought captive. And so when Paul writes, Paul says it like this. Paul says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You see, in the middle of what I was going through last night, I decided to take my thoughts captive. And in the middle of what you're going through, whether it is through the journal that you're writing down of his goodness, whether it's through the word of God, or if all you can do is cry and sing a song, remind yourself that your God is able to do, exceeding abundantly above everything that you could ask, think, or imagine. I don't know who it is today. Maybe you're online. Maybe you are holding out faith that God will do something. I stand here having served him for a little bit to know he has never failed he can never fail he will never fail and in the midst of life's deepest darkest circumstances he is with you you see when he was being born they said and you shall call his name Emmanuel which being interpreted means God with us The baby that was born in the manger wasn't just an angel, like some faiths may say. He wasn't just a prophet, like some people may say. But God came to walk with you, to talk with you, to live life with you. So whatever it is that you have been holding out faith for, if it's an illness that doesn't go away, I can't promise that he'll heal it tomorrow but I can promise he'll be with you right now. I can promise that he'll be with you in each and every situation because even in life's darkest moments, even in silence, he is there holding your hand. He might not be saying much, but he hasn't left. He might not be saying much, but he is there. And like Job said, I don't know where to find you, but I know that you're with me. I know that you know the path that I take. And so I invite you to trust God. Church in response to this our prayer team you can come up here but in response to this I invite us to come to Jesus with a posture of hope. I invite us as we sing this next song as we stand and we worship to come to Jesus having expectations believing that not only that he can but that he will and I know our custom usually is, you know, like, okay, we're going to wait until the song is over and until they've released us to come to the front. But I invite you today, even if you don't want to pray with somebody particular, stand up, leave from your seat, make a step of faith and hope, believing that what you are trusting God for is in his plans for you, believing that he loves you believing that nothing can separate you from his love, or as Paul puts it, all things work together for the good of them that love him and are called according to his purpose. So I invite you to come forward, but if not, I invite us all to stand. Stand, and as we sing this next worship song, I invite you to sing it as a prayer of your heart, remembering that he does not let you down, remembering that he is good, and if you feel like he has, If you feel like he has let you down, if you feel like he hasn't been there with you, our God is so good that if you bring that to him, he will hear you and he will respond to you. If you say, God, maybe you'll do it, but I don't believe that you can. He is good and loving enough to stand with you in the midst of your unbelief. So Zach, sing this song out in church. I invite us to sing this believing. That our God exceeds expectations.
1: You're never gonna, never gonna let me down. you never gonna let, never gonna let me down. you never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down, no. gonna let me down say down and you're never gonna let. you never gonna let me down no and you're never gonna let. you never gonna let me down no and you're never gonna let. you never gonna let me down 'Cause you are good, you're good. Oh, and you are good, you're good.
0: don't know we have a team of intercessors that meets before service and is often praying during our services and after we're praying we got two specific words for people and we want to offer prayer for these first we want to offer prayer for any woman who is pregnant who is currently expecting we invite you to come forward for prayer we believe that god wants to speak or wants to do something in your lives and secondly for any woman or married couple or families that want that desire to become pregnant that are maybe literally in the same situation as Elizabeth and Zechariah. We invite you to come forward and to seek prayer because we believe that God still moves and we believe that God still works and that God still speaks. So please, if you're expecting or if you are in your family desiring to come pregnant couples, come forward for prayer. We would love to pray for you guys and I'll pray for you guys here before we close out this, uh, this afternoon. But secondly, if there's anyone who was gonna be alone during this holiday season, like you don't have family's house to go to, your parent or spending Christmas by yourself. If you don't want to, you don't have to. We are inviting you to community. If you're not in a micro church, we we'll invite you to go talk to one of the people at the welcome tent, get connected with a micro church. We are opening our homes as a congregation to you all of the homes are open. If you desire for someone, there we go. The Saul's are raising their hands. If you want to go visit the Saul's for this holiday season, you don't have to be alone. And as much as Jesus is with you as a church, we want to be with you too. Church, let's close in prayer. Jesus, we believe that you are good and that your mercies endure forever. We believe that you can still do exceeding abundantly above all we could ever ask, think, or imagine. So Jesus, for those of our families in here who are expecting in the name of Jesus in the lives of their children, exceed their expectations. For their abilities as parents exceed the expectations for parents who are already in the room god continue to work and to move and to guide and to speak and jesus for couples who are praying for you who are praying for a child in the name of jesus holy spirit we ask that you move in power holy spirit open that which is closed make healthy that which lacks health in the name of jesus god we are believing you We are believing that you can and that you will. So in the name of Jesus, God, do what only you can do. And Jesus, for those of us who are wrestling loneliness in this season, God, I ask that you not only remind us that you're with us, but that you have connected us to a body, to where we can find joy and peace and a place to belong. Jesus, remind all of us that we don't have to go through life alone but that you have equipped us and sent us people who will be there in every situation and every circumstance with us and for us. In the magnificent name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And church, i read read in your hearing the words of Paul. It says, now all glory to God, who was able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish indefinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you could ever ask or think. And we will even throw in. Imagine it's all glory and honor and power. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Church, we just talked a little bit about hope. This week, Friday night, remember, we will be talking about hope and Jesus' exceeding expectations through the Hanukkah celebration. Invite your friends, invite your co-workers, invite your families. But nevertheless, church, may the Lord bless you and keep you, and make his face shine upon you, and give you his perfect peace. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You're dismissed, church. God bless you guys. We love you all. God bless
1: you.